Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. We've come back to our series of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're kind of throughout the year, we've been traveling along this book and covering all sorts of different issues. Uh, leadership issues, sin issues, sex issues, conflict issues, church issues, all these things. And last week we heard from Sam Gamarari, uh, what is at the heart of all that was a misunderstanding of the gospel. If they understood the gospel and the resurrection, that informs every part of our lives. Do we really Uh, truly realize what the resurrection means for us today. And that's what this series is about, reclaiming the resurrection for what it is, what it means, what it does. And um, in preparing for this series, I've realized we don't actually talk about the resurrection much. I mean, we do mention it. Pretty much every Sunday we mention in some way Jesus rose from the dead. But do we actually discuss and realize what that means for us today. Even I was reflecting with someone, uh, actually I was with Sophie Gary, who's going to be preaching tonight um, evangelistically, like to bring your friends. Today is the is what's the deal of the resurrection kind of for Christians, and tonight is what's the deal for the resurrection for non-Christians. If you're here, you're not yet a Christian, there'll still be great things uh, to hear today. Um, but anyway, sorry, it'll be great tonight. One of the things we were reflecting is that uh, of all the evangelistic talks we hear today, like gospel messages for guests and, and to, to bring people into the faith, they're always about the cross uh, and what the cross means for us. And very rarely do we hear an evangelistic message these days about the resurrection. But if you actually read the New Testament, every single evangelistic talk in the New Testament includes the resurrection. But not every talk includes the cross. Uh, whereas like these days, I think we've got that the other way around. The resurrection was a central priority of the early church. So why do we have such a hard time believing its impact today? Now, I'm aware that much of this sermon will sound like I'm arguing with someone that's not in the room. Uh, that look, I do want to acknowledge that most people here... Uh, believe that Jesus bodily rose from the dead. I don't assume everyone believes that, and that's okay. But, uh, you know, to an extent, I'm preaching to the choir here. But I will take this, this stance, this approach, for two main reasons. The first being this is Paul's argument and Paul's tone. And I think whenever you preach, it's best to take the tone and the argument and the, the emotions, the drive of the passage. And so that's what we're, we're going to do today. The other reason is uh, because that... Belief, that truth, will be challenged. It will be challenged. It has been challenged. That, that someone 2,000 years ago died and physically rose again. That's unfeasible in, in today's understanding. That's inconceivable. And it will be challenged, particularly outside the church, but also from within the church. I was doing some research uh, around this. Uh, and there, there's actually a large group of people, uh, uh, Christians, who deny the bodily resurrection of Jesus. According to one article, a quarter of British Christians 
don't believe in a bodily resurrection that Jesus physically rose from the dead. A quarter. Um, uh, some, some significant writers and, and names and voices uh, that speak on this. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., big social justice advocate, hero. Um, he, uh, he believed that the resurrection was representative of Christ's ongoing personality, living on through, the, through his disciples. He said they had been captivated by the magnetic power of his personality. And this basic experience led to the faith that he could never die. So even someone as significant Martin Luther King didn't believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead, but it was his, his ongoing personality through lived out through his people. That's what the resurrection meant. And one of the most uh, vocal scholars and ministers over the last uh, 20 years um, has been on who denies the resurrection is this guy called uh, Bishop Spong. Um, you may have heard of him, or probably not, hopefully not. Um, uh, but we're going to, not to, you know, pull up a straw man and knock him down. I'm actually going to hear from uh, Bishop Spong now. There is no question in my mind that had there not been some transforming experience that happened to the disciples after the death of Jesus that convinced them that he had conquered the boundary of human death, there would be no Christianity. But what people don't understand is that the idea that that experience meant the resuscitation of a body that could walk physically out of a tomb on the third day after crucifixion is a very late developing tradition. You will not find it in Paul. You will not find it in Mark. Most people are surprised to know that in the first gospel, Mark, written in the early 70s, that nowhere does the risen Christ ever appear in Mark to anybody. It's only in the late gospels that he not only appears, but offers his flesh to be inspected and eats and walks and talks and interprets scripture. It's a very late development in the tradition. There is a powerful Easter experience that starts the whole Christian faith transforms the disciples, changes them from cowards who had forsaken him and fled and brought them back into being heroic followers of this Jesus. Changed the way they understood God so that whatever that Easter experience was, they could never again think of God without seeing Jesus as part of that definition. They could never again see Jesus without feeling that God was part of that definition. Something incredibly powerful happened, but it had nothing to do with the resuscitation of the body. Mm. A mm. couple of quick things to respond straight away. Um, at the end of the Gospel of Mark, there is uh, an empty tomb, an unexplained empty tomb. Also, uh, Paul, as we will read, writes very clearly about the resurrection. So just to, re <laughs> to claim that, no, it's a bit sad, that, that there's teaching like that out there. I know. <laughs> it, is, it is sad. Um, but like, so what? Like, is it a big deal whether or not we believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead? Like, isn't it good enough? Like Bishop Spong said that, that, that power, that transformation, that spiritual reality, isn't that enough of a hope to believe in? Is the, is the bodily physical resurrection of Jesus such a big deal? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The resurrection is core, central to our theology, to our understanding of God and ourselves and the world. 
is because it's core to our understanding what it means to be a Christian. It's core to our identity as Christians. And I wonder how many of the issues we face today would be different if we truly realized the reality of the resurrection. And that is Paul's point. And so just to unpack where we're going today, uh, Paul um, argues about the priority of the resurrection, argues, is the resurrection true? And he kind of imagines some scenarios. Um, and he, he asks the questions, what if? Now, I don't know if anyone's seen uh, the Marvel What If on Disney+. Plus. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, and that's just like, it, it, it's a series about imagining what if in a different universe something else happened, like Captain America was someone else and all these kind of things. And Paul imagines what if the resurrection isn't true? Uh, so what, what, what we're going to look at is that question, what if the resurrection isn't true? Then Paul addresses what if it is true? And then he addresses so what? What's the implications? So let's, let's ask with Paul, what if the resurrection is not true? If you have a Bible, open it up to 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, we'll read from verse 12 to 19 to start off with. It's going to be on the screen. Uh, but if you have the same Bible of me, it's on page 1749, <laughs> which is not useful for anyone because I don't think anyone has the same Bible. Uh, Paul says, but if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him in fact, sorry, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. For if only, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people must be pitied. So Paul imagines what if, what if the resurrection is not true? Now the Corinthian problem is slightly different to our problem um, because for the Corinthians, the, the bodily resurrection of Jesus wasn't even a question. Like what Sam covered last week in the first 11 verses of 1 Corinthians, it is absolutely clear there's over 500 witnesses to the bodily resurrection of Jesus. That is an established fact. Well, the Corinthians have a trouble uh, uh, believing is a future resurrection. It's what the, the power of Jesus' resurrection represents to the resurrection of all people and that resurrection hope, uh, a physical reality. But if that's not true then Jesus' resurrection isn't true. And there's three implications he raises. The first is that our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. Well, Paul has been going around church to church, planting churches, preaching all over uh, the known world, uh, in Asia, in, in Rome, in, throughout Israel, all that he's been doing, all the persecution he's been facing, the beatings, the... The, um, the stonings, the whipping, the shipwrecks, the, 
snake bite that all this stuff that he's experienced and gone through, all the effort, all the toil, all the imprisonment, it's all in vain, pointless, useless if the resurrection is not true. The faith that we put in Jesus is futile if the resurrection is not true without a physical resurrection of Jesus. Paul also establishes a preaching is vain, faith is in vain. We're also false witnesses. We're preaching a false hope if Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. The promise that the dead will be raised, that wrongs will be made right, that those who have fallen asleep uh, will be raised and not just lost to nothingness is a lie if Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead. When Jesus said, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not die, but will have eternal life, without the resurrection, that is a lie. When Paul said, you know, that's who you were, this old life you used to live, but you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified in the name of Christ and by the Spirit of God, without the resurrection, that's a lie. If Jesus didn't bodily rise from the dead, then the only power that God has shown and and affected in the world is not in the physical world, but in the spiritual. It separates these two realms. That God's power is to endure a personality and, and, you know, Jesus' Jesus' personality lives on or he's risen spiritually and that's a great thing. But without a physical resurrection, what power does God have in the physical realm, in in what we can see and feel and touch today? And if there is no resurrection, what hope is there? What hope is there when we pray for God to act powerfully, physically, for for physical healing? And we know that God is powerful in that space. What hope do we have for the restoration of creation and the world that's groaning if God doesn't have power in the physical to physically raise someone from the dead? Without the resurrection, we're preaching a false hope. And that's, yeah, that's what I believe people like Bishop Bong are preaching. They're preaching a false hope. It's not real, not honest, not true. And that's what Paul is saying and arguing here. The other implication he says is our faith is futile. We are still in our sins. That those who have fallen asleep are lost. Without the physical resurrection, there's no power to defeat death and no power to overcome the sin that separates us from God, from the God of life. And without the resurrection, we don't have a new life that that God gives us to live in. And we only have the old life that's so tangled up in sin and pain and hurt and hurting. Without the resurrection, it's up to us to sort ourselves out. Without the resurrection, the hurt we've caused, the hurt we've received, this life and all the things that have happened in it is all that we have. It's all that we have to show for ourselves. And of all people, if we have some hope in that, without the resurrection, we are to be pitied above all. It's the implications of of a world without the bodily resurrection of Jesus. We preach in vain. We preach a false hope. We're still in our sins. 
Faith is futile. That's a depressing world. It's a depressing world to be in. But Paul says, Christ indeed has raised from the dead. What if the resurrection wasn't true? A whole heap of bad stuff. But the resurrection is true. That's the next thing that Paul explores. So the next bit we'll read is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 to 28. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion and authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he, is, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who has put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Paul's point, but Jesus did rise from the dead. It is true. And and the first thing he explores is is an origin story. For in Adam, uh, and uh, and death came through man, and in Adam all die. What he's referring to is is the beginning of our story, our our humanity's story story that through Adam in the first, in this second and third first few chapters of, of Genesis of the Bible there's a story of Adam uh, who who was connected and walking with God connected to the God of life but chose to rule himself chose not to obey the law that God has given but to deny it to disobey it to reject it we, as a humanity, thought we could do better, that we could rule ourselves better than God. And so we rejected the God of life. And to reject life is to choose death. And so death came through Adam. But Jesus Christ, he chose death so that we might live. And we live in the power of that resurrection. So death came through a man, but in Christ, all are made alive. Like I said before, if the resurrection is false, it's up to us to sort ourselves out. But if the resurrection is true, then we know we have new life in Jesus. The life we live is not our own, but Christ in us by the power of the resurrection. So we can come into a community of faith with all of ourselves, all of our vulnerabilities, all of our hurt, all of our mistakes, all of the messiness of life, all of us where no one has it all together and we can come and can be real and honest with that because it's not up to us. We don't have to sort ourselves out. God is the one who gives us new life. God is the one who who we are identified through, through the power of the resurrection. It's in Christ that we're given life, in the power of the resurrection. Paul says Christ is the first fruits, the first fruits, uh, that when, when Jesus was raised first 
and then through him others will come uh, who belong to him. And what the resurrection means is that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. That people who believe in Jesus are too raised in that same power into a people who belong to Jesus. It's not just about us, but together we are the fruit of the resurrection. We experience together the power of new life, of purpose, of meaning, of value. And Jesus is the first one. Jesus was the first. But those in Christ will follow. We belong to him. Next thing Paul says is that in Christ, by the power of the resurrection, is victory. Every power, dominion, and authority will come under Jesus, and he must reign until he puts all enemies under his feet, but the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death has been defeated. Death has died when Jesus rose from the grave. And in Christ, we share that victory. In Christ, our story no longer ends with a full stop after the life we experience today. That, you know, I've lived a life, I've made mistakes, and I'm, I'm dead in my sin and transgressions, full stop. The resurrection turns that full stop into a comma. I was dead in my transgressions and sins, comma, but God, who is rich and mercy, because of his great love us, love for us, made us alive in Christ. It's by grace we've been saved. Resurrection turns a full stop into a comma. And we'll talk next week about the power of the resurrection in the life of the Christian. Like, what, how does that actually work? What does the resurrection actually do in our lives? That's what Paul talks about uh, in the next part of this passage. That's what we'll talk about next week. And now this last bit of the passage that everything being put under uh, Jesus' authority, but not God himself, um, and all this stuff. Look, I'll be honest, that's really confusing part of the passage, and I don't know exactly what it's saying, but it's clear uh, what it does say, that all authority on earth has been given to Jesus. And Jesus, as part of the Trinity, the one God who is three person, is subject to the Father, so that God maybe in all, uh, yeah, maybe all in all. All authority, all dominion, all power, even death. So if the resurrection is true, in the same power we are made alive. In that power we are part of a movement of recreated, renewed uh, people of God. In that same power we have victory over death and over sin. And so next, Paul explores, so what? So what's the implications? What should we do with this information? And he explores this again with a negative uh, argument. What if it isn't true? What are the implications of that? And I want to hear that, recognize it, but then also come to what's the positive argument? But let's read it together, this next little bit. 1 Corinthians 15, 29 to 34. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those who are baptized? So, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes. 
just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. So, so what? What's, what's the deal about the resurrection? What, what, how does it change how we live, what we do today? The first argument he says, well, if there is no resurrection, why baptize people? Why baptize people? Uh, he says, why what will, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? Now, this is m- most likely referring to a practice of the Corinthians of baptizing people on behalf of those who have already died. So people who have not been baptized uh, but have died and other people are baptized on their behalf. And Paul's argument is if there is no resurrection, what's the point of that? What's the point of baptizing if there is no, going to be no uh, resurrection in the future? Another um, interpretation uh, based on the the, uh, the word used to connect um, baptized and those who are dead is um, uh, uper. It's referring. It could be referring not just baptized for those, but baptized in the name of. And when it says baptized in the name of death or baptized of dead, it's referring to half of the spiritual reality of baptism. That when you're baptized, uh, you're, you're you die with Christ and then you're raised with Him. And is Paul evoking a kind of uh, a, an image of when you baptize people you met, and there's no resurrection, just baptize them, dunk them, and just leave them there. You know, like if there's no resurrection, why bring them up? What's the point? This is a great time to say, if you want to get baptized, I'd love to have that chat. We don't have that practice of leaving people underwater here. We believe in the resurrection. Up they come. Um, but yeah, like baptism has power because the resurrection is real. Baptism represents that power of new life that the resurrection brings, a, re- a real thing. It represents that we are changed. We're given a new life, that we can be changed. And if God raised Jesus from the dead in that same power, he can lift us from our despair, from our sin, from our hurting, and we have new life in him. The next uh, implication, so what, is why strive through trouble and trial in this life if there is no resurrection? Paul talks about his his struggle. Why would he endanger himself every hour? He's been facing death. He's been fighting beasts in Ephesus. And if there's no hope, if there's no resurrection, what is the point of that? If he's putting his physical life on the line, and there is no physical resurrection, what a waste of a life. What's the point? And look, life is hard. We all know this. Paul knows it. He's been beaten, shipwrecked, a thorn in his flesh, fighting wild beasts, all kinds of crazy things. But for us today, there's a whole heap of things that that make life hard, that make faith hard. Doubt, unanswered prayer, suffering broken relationships, uh, an anxiousness anxiousness in the world around us and of the world around us, the constant distractions that are berating us, the constant battle with deceptions that we, we have. It's hard. It's hard to keep going. It's hard to persevere. 
It's hard not to get uh, turned away and to, to get complacent or indulgent or entitled. It's so easy to stray, just like Solomon did. Series we just finished. But what gives me hope and what gives us hope to keep persevering and keep battling on and keep striving and working hard on our faith is that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And if that's true, it changes everything. It gives us hope of something more to the physical, to the present. It gives weight to Paul's promise in Romans that he considers that our present sufferings are not even worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us when Christ would come again. And if this life is all that there is, and there is no physical resurrection, is no new life in Jesus, why waste our time trying to stay faithful to a God who just restricts us, God who just holds us back? Paul says, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Life without Jesus, life without following him is one of pleasure where we hand ourselves over to our desires and the influences of the world. But life with Jesus is one of purpose that God would prepare us for the glory that is to come. And so why is the resurrection core to our theology? Why is it so important and so significant? Why is it important to believe that Jesus physically rose from the dead? It's because it's central to our identity as Christians. There's three questions, sorry, three questions at the heart of every human being that all of us in some way are wrestling with and working out. And that's who am I? Whose am I and why am I, right? Who am I? What's my identity? Who am I? Whose am I? Where do I belong? Where's the community that loves me? Where do I belong and why am I? What is my purpose? On some level, every person is working out those things. What the resurrection does, it gives us an answer. It gives us an answer. Who am I? I am in Christ. I have been given new life in the resurrection of Jesus. Whose am I? Through the resurrection, I belong to a movement of people who have been raised with Christ. I belong to the body of Christ, his presence in the physical world, his church. Why am I? In Christ, we have a hope, we have a purpose, we have meaning and we have value. We have a hope and a a reason to persevere, a reason to keep going, a reason to stay faithful to God. Why is the resurrection a priority? It's because it's core to our identity as Christians. Through the resurrection, we have life. Through the resurrection, we are included in his victory. Through the resurrection, we have hope to persevere. Let me pray if the band comes up. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the truth and the reality of the resurrection. Lord, we we pray and acknowledge that life is tough and that staying faithful to you is hard and we need your help. 
But Lord, we trust and we believe that you have power both in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm. That Jesus rising from the dead wasn't just some uh, legend or story, but it was a real event. And that through that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, we are made new. We are given an identity, a community to belong to, and a purpose. And Lord, we thank you that that we are part of a church that does believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus, that believes in the power of prayer to affect change in the physical, to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring purpose, uh, to bring people to faith, to, to revealing the truth to them. And Lord, we just pray that you would keep us on that track, that we'd never be distracted or deceived into thinking Jesus is not who he claims to be. And Lord, we pray that, that every day we would be reminded that this faith we have is not in vain. There is purpose and meaning and value and truth to it, that Jesus did physically rise from the dead, and in that we have hope. And so, Lord, in that, help us persevere. Help us live in this life that you have gifted us, that you've given us. Help us live in the power of the resurrection, that we might know your love, that we might live that out. Lord, we thank you and praise you and pray all these things in the name of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.